0: Welcome to Showing Up Solo, your go-to source for solopreneur success in the digital world. You're not just running a business, you're wearing all the hats, from CEO to content creator. What if I told you there's a way to master online marketing without sacrificing all your time? Hello, everybody, and welcome to an extra special episode of Showing Up Solo, It's our 50th episode. I cannot believe that together with Nicole, I've done 50 episodes of this video podcast. That blows my mind. We've been at it for almost two years now. Speaking of Nicole, time to address an elephant in the room. You may have noticed in the last few episodes that Nicole has not been here. Nicole is alive and well, <laughs> but she has had to take a step back from her business and therefore from the podcast because she needs to focus on her family. Um, and one of the things we promised ourselves when we started working together, when we started the podcast, was that we were always going to support each other, putting our families first. So I totally support her in this, uh, but that is why you don't see Nicole here as much as you did before. Um. Nevertheless, I hope you're enjoying the episodes that I've been doing solo. I truly am showing up solo now. And in honor of our 50th episode, I have asked you to send me in your burning marking questions, and I'm going to answer them today. Now, I've done my best to organize them, but if I jump a little, jump about a little bit, I apologize. But let's start going into these questions that you've submitted. The first few are about consistency and strategy. So let's see what we've got here. How do you create consistency over time? And how do I not bore people with repetition? I love those questions. I get those questions a lot. So the easiest way, I believe, to create consistency over time is preparation. One of the reasons that I am able to get this podcast out Every other Wednesday, no matter what goes on in my life, is preparation. Nicole and I, when we were doing it, we would get together and we would bash six months' episodes. I record multiple episodes ahead of time. In fact, I am recording this episode ahead of time. And I also have the support of an amazing podcast manager, Rachel, Rachel Botfield of RBBA. Um, I'll make sure I leave a link uh, to her business in the show notes that you can reach her if you're interested in having her support on your own show. Because of her, she keeps me accountable. (laughs) And that is how I'm able to have consistency is I prepare ahead of time. And when I don't prepare ahead of time, for example, if I haven't prepared my reels in advance, um, prepared the captions and the graphics, I definitely let things slide. Over the summer, if I haven't had a chance to pre-schedule all my content, my Instagram feed goes pretty quiet. So my biggest advice for creating consistency over time is to plan ahead and to batch your content and get it scheduled. In terms of not boring people with repetition, well, there's a couple factors there. One, repetition is good. The more you repeat a message, the more it is remembered. So repetition is actually a really good thing in your marketing mcdonald's doesn't have a new tagline for every ad it's always i'm loving it <laughs> and so um they don't worry about boring you with that catchphrase they use the same one consistently so that when you hear it like i bet as soon as i said that you could see it you could hear the "ba in your head that is what um, mcdonald's does they have that repetition to create that connection in your brain. So repetition is actually really good. It's one of the things that will actually boost your brand's presence online. And if you're worried about boring people, here's a couple things to consider on your social media feed. Only about four to 7% of your audience will see each piece, each post you you post, which can sound pretty disheartening, but You're competing with algorithms, you're competing with other people's content, you're also competing with people's busy lives and schedules. The chances of them being online at the time that the algorithm chooses to show that piece of content to them are slim. So most people won't have noticed. And I can tell you from experience, I have multiple clients where we use a repurposing strategy. We reuse a lot of their previous captions. We just switch up the graphic, maybe put a different video with it, but we use the same captions over and over and over again, and they have never received a complaint about the repetition. The other thing to note is, if someone does see a message twice and they remember that they've seen it twice, if it's something helpful, chances are they will be grateful to hear it. Ever had that moment where you hear about something that could be really useful for you, but you hear about it at a time that's really inconvenient. Maybe you're trying to rush to get the kids off to school or you've got to get somewhere and you just don't have time to really focus on it, to write it down, to go dive into it. And then it slips your mind. When you see something else that reminds you of it, you're grateful. Oh, yes, yes, no, I wanted that. So repetition in that sense can be a gift to people who are really interested in your content. So I hope that answers those questions in terms of consistency and um, boring people with repetition. The next question I have is how to prioritize strategies or steps when you have limited time and resources? Well, again, I think I've answered that with the batching content. My biggest advice is create content in batches. I've spent about an hour faffing about trying to get this camera set up to film this episode. In the past, Nicole and I have gotten together and we have batched six months worth of episodes in one session. And then the the next day, we create a whole bunch of Reels content. And if I had to faff around and set this camera up for every single episode, it would take forever. It would eat up so much of my time. Whereas if I sit down now at, no matter the fact that I've spent this hour, everything I re- I record now, everything I batch now is saving me time in the long run because I don't have to set it up each time. So whatever works best for your schedule and for your tolerance, <laughs> uh, I suggest, like my advice is set aside one day every three months or two days every six months and pre create your content, whether that's recording videos or it's writing blog posts or writing captions. But my best, my biggest recommendation is to batch that content. And actually that um, brings me on to another question, which is any easy to implement time management hacks that don't require adding too many expensive tech tools? Well, another time management hack is to create long-form content, video podcast episodes, audio podcast episodes, blogs, longer pieces of content that you can chop up and repurpose into short-form content. And there's so many tools on the market now using AI that can create that for you. I have been using an AI called, from Opus.pro, again, I will leave a link in the show notes, and all I do is I drop the YouTube link to a past episode and it gives me nine to 10 different videos in portrait orientation perfect for reels and TikTok and YouTube shorts. It cuts, it edits it so it cuts out any ums and ahs so the most effective, um, most interesting pieces of content are in that short video. It adds ca- closed captions and it ranks it based on how viral it, think- it thinks it will go. This has been such a huge time saver. Before, I was putting these videos into CapCut, and I was manually cutting them down, watching them to find the most um, interesting um, eye or ear-catching snippets to create these shorter videos. And I was averaging about three videos an episode because that was about as much as I could tolerate. And now I have this other... um, this AI program that does most of it for me. Now that one does cost, that one is an investment. Um, It does cost a monthly amount. You can use something like CapCut to do the chopping up yourself and CapCut will auto-generate captions for you as well. So that's a less expensive because that one's free. Um, The other option is I use otter.ai. I've been recommending that for years as a transcriber. So I will put, you can put any video or audio file into there and it'll transcribe it. This is great then if you want to convert it into a blog post, because you can take that transcript and you can drop it into something like ChatGPT and have ChatGPT convert your podcast episode into a blog post. Or you can give ChatGPT um the transcript of a short-form video and say, write me some captions for this. So there are a lot of easy-to-use AI programs out there, and probably by the time this episode airs or by the time you're listening to it, there's even more available, and they're really not that expensive. Again, my advice, create long-form content that you can chop up into smaller content and batch your content ahead of time. Social media can be a bottomless hole, so what is realistically the minimum effort or engagement needed to see a meaningful return? This is a good question and it's a difficult one to answer. It's one of those, how long is a piece of string kind of questions to answer. If you're asking me what you should prioritize on your social media, my recommendation is to prioritize engaging with other people's content above anything else. If you have a limited amount of time, prioritize engaging with the accounts of people who are your ideal clients connect with them, have a conversation. Don't spam them, but look at their content. If they bring up a comment or a post that's relevant to what you do, add some free value by providing a little bit of education. We have to remember that social media platforms are all about being social, so engagement is your priority. Other than that, it depends on the platform. LinkedIn, for example, once a week is more than enough. In fact, if you have a smaller audience, 500 connections or less, um, even a thousand connections or less, every 48 hours is more than enough. And people use LinkedIn mostly Monday through Friday. And if you think about it, most people on Mondays have full inboxes and full heads, and they don't want to read through a bunch of content on LinkedIn. And on Fridays, people are already checked out for the weekend. So if you posted Tuesdays and Thursdays on LinkedIn, or even just Wednesday, Wednesdays, that's plenty. Something like Instagram, again, if and I'm talking business to business here, it's a little different if you're business to consumer. But um, if you think about it, if you're selling business services, most people, the best time to, to post is between Tuesdays and Thursdays. And if all you can manage is one post a week, then just post once a week. Uh, and again the different platforms it will depend on the platform but the most the biggest thing you can do is to just be consistent so if all you can do is post once a week consistently post once a week you want to build habits in your audience Uh, i've talked about my favorite youtuber in the past mariah elizabeth i love her content and i know that every friday it'll be out at 1 p.m my time pacific time so i I know that she's formed a habit with me. Every Friday, when I notice it's coming close to 1 p.m. or it's just after 1 p.m., I automatically want to go watch her content because I know a new video will be out and she's consistent. The only time she's missed posting were the two times where she's missed two weeks and that was because she was giving birth. So <laughs> her consistency is remarkable and she has built a habit in me as one of her subscribers. So build habits in your audience and have their consumption of your content based on what makes sense for you versus trying to flood the social media platforms with as much content as you can find how do i know what my audience wants and how do i know what the real needs of my customers are and i've also got what does my target audience want to know so these are all around the same question is how to know what kind of content to put out there well there's lots of ways to find out One, you could do what I just did to get all the questions for this episode and put out a survey. I put out a survey, I said anyone who completes this will be entered in a draw and they'll win a $50 Starbucks card. Um, And that's where I got a lot of these questions from. The other thing you can do is go into Facebook groups where your ideal client hangs out and see what questions they're asking, what advice they're asking. There's lead capture forms. So I know that uh, that we've talked about this in the past, but basically if you use a program, say, Calendly, for people to book appointments or calls, or you use a CRM program like Dubsado, CRM, it's just basically a program that manages all your customer information in one place, that you can build what's called a lead capture form, which just gathers information. If someone's booking an appointment with you, you're, as a minimum, going to be gathering their name and email address so you can send confirmations out. In addition to that, ask a few other questions. What's your website? What's your social media handles? What are you hoping to get out of this call? Have you outsourced before? Up to you how many questions you add, but that can be a really good source of information, especially if you find yourself on calls where... You're you're on a call with a client. You're like you are not the person I want to be attracting. It can give you a lot of information about the wrong people, so you know what to avoid in your marketing. The other thing is search engines. So obviously, most people think of Google when they think of search engines, and the other the other um, big search engines, but YouTube. Pinterest and Instagram are also search engines and YouTube and Pinterest are second to Google in popularity. If you start typing in keywords and looking at what the auto, like what the predicted text tells you, you know, when you start typing into Google and you say like, what is, and it starts completing your sentence for you. That's telling, that's based on what other people have searched. So if you look at those questions, you can start to see what other people are asking. So start typing in the questions that your clients will be asking. Now, a note, this is an example I have um, of recently. So I had to put an anchor link on a website. Now, I had no idea it was called an anchor link. Um, For those of you who don't know either, it's basically when you put, uh, you know, you have those buttons where you click back to top and it scoots you back to the top of the page or you click more info and it scoots you down to this part of the same page that has more info. That's an anchor link or a jump link. And I didn't know what it was called, so I just typed in to Google, "How do I make uh, how do I make a button that jumps to another part of the page on Squarespace?" And I got a help article. It told me, it gave me the answer, and now I know that it's an anchor link. But if I was someone who was Trying to get If I wanted my blog post, if I was someone who specialized in coding for Squarespace and I wanted to have a blog post come up as a response to that question, I need to make sure my title encompasses or answers the question that my ideal client would be typing. So I want to have something that says how to create a link that jumps to a different part of the page, not how to create an anchor link because the audience doesn't know what's called an anchor link. So remember where your audience is. They don't know as much as you do. That's why they need you. So make sure that when you are writing content for them, you're answering the questions they're asking. Another really fantastic place to find those questions is answerthepublic.com. You type in a keyword or two keywords and it'll show you all the questions people are typing into search engines related to those keywords. And my advice is pick one or two that you think you can answer and then answer them. I would suggest using my full circle content method, which I'll leave a link to it, but that basically, that is our whole approach with the full circle content method is go to answerthepublic.com, pick a question, answer it in a 10 minute video, repurpose that content, and now you have like 20 pieces of social media content from one question. So that's the full circle content method if you're interested in finding out both how to batch and repurpose your content, but also how to find out what your audience is interested in learning. It's a really good resource for that, completely free. I'll leave a link in the show notes. Where is the best place for me to market myself? This again, depends on your ideal client. It depends on two things, your ideal client and the kinds of content you want to create. There's so many social media platforms out there, it can be really overwhelming. So one piece of advice that new printers often hear is focus on one platform, And get really good at that before you start adding others in. If that's your strategy, then my advice is to find the platform your ideal client hangs out on. So platforms like Instagram and Pinterest have a majority of people who identify as women as users. And the main ages are 25 to 40, I believe. Platforms like LinkedIn and Twitter, the majority of users identify as men. I think LinkedIn, the audience skews a little older. Facebook, for example, that skews a little older. Um, TikTok skews a little younger. So figure out which platforms your audience is using. And the other thing to remember is, like, what are they using that platform for? If you deal with C-suite execs um, or higher-level people, they would probably prefer to have these interactions or to learn about um, business-related opportunities on LinkedIn, versus their Instagram, whereas if your audience is a busy mom, she's probably on Instagram more than she is on LinkedIn. So pick the platform where you know your audience is hanging out. The other thing you can do is to go from a content-first perspective. Figure out what kind of content you want to create. Again, this is going back to that full circle content method. Highly recommend accessing it, but make a make the content and then Put the content on the platforms you can. So for example, record a 10-minute video. That video can go on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and uh, YouTube. Turn it into audio. Now it can go on all the podcasting platforms. Create a blog post from it. Perfect for things like Medium. Uh, Cut it into shorter videos. Now you've got YouTube Shorts and TikTok and Reels. So start to think about how you can transform your content so that it can go on multiple platforms and that's another way to approach it i'm not used to doing these just me talking ones so i'm hoping you're enjoying this different format don't worry we're going to have lots of guest interview episodes going forward okay niching down how do i niche my business and how to face the competitive market environment and find innovative methods and strategies to highlight my own business okay Niching, niching, niching. (laughs) Nobody wants to niche. People are scared that um, if they niche, they're going to limit their availability. But the truth is, at the heart of it, I am sure you have one particular kind of person you want to work with. I know a lot of people who are worried about excluding people, and I often say they're being too nice. But be honest about who you want to work with. What do they need to do? Like, do they need to respect your boundaries? I had someone who they wanted their first call with me, their first interaction with me to be 60 minutes instead of the 20 minutes that I set aside. Now, that's a boundary that I've set because I usually know within 20 minutes if we're going to work. And I didn't want to tell them this, but I usually go over if I think it's going to go well. But for someone who wouldn't respect my boundaries and wanted 60 minutes so they could pick my brain for free... That was already someone that, something that was a red flag for me and told me, okay, this probably isn't the person I want to work with. So whether you know it or not, you have flags that you want to avoid. If you're worried about niching down, first thing to do, list all the deal breakers, list all the people you don't want to work with, and then see who's left. Then you want to look at what you want to do. Not what you think you can offer that will satisfy the most people. What do you want to offer? I actually had this with actually Rachel, the podcast manager. She was also one of my coaching clients on my setup for success program. And she had been avoiding niching down. She was offering very vague, very general packages And when we were having the coaching sessions, she mentioned that she kept getting on the call with people who were interested in the podcast, but didn't know what the budget was or just weren't prepared for that kind of investment. And I said, well, what do you want to do? And she's like, I want to manage people's podcasts. And I said, so you need to work with people who are ready to make that investment. You need to work with people who understand the value of a podcast. You don't need to convince them that it's a valuable thing. They know they want it and they um, they know how much it's going to cost. Um, I think actually she said, I want more people like you, Hannah. Um, cause that's how I approached her. I said, I'm making a podcast and I want you to manage it because I don't have the time. And so I said, well, then you need to aim for people like me. You need to say like, that's what you need to offer and speak to those people because you're just wasting your time having these calls with people who aren't looking for the packages you're offering. And when she got more specific about who she worked with and what she did, she found that her sales calls, the the right people were getting the calls and they were converting into clients. So niching down can really, really help by being specific about who you want to work with and what you want to do. And if you're worried about, I know that was another thing for Rachel, she was worried about the market being oversaturated. She knew other podcasters who targeted coaches as their ideal client, but there's millions of coaches out there. So there's millions of coaches who need millions of podcast managers to manage their millions of podcasts. So don't worry. There's plenty of fish in the sea. It may seem like the market is saturated, but it really, really isn't. There's someone for everyone. And especially in these service-based businesses where it's a one-to-one relationship, A lot of the deciding factor is how you vibe with that person. So there's someone out there who's the right fit personality-wise to work with you. So don't worry about what everyone else is doing. Just worry about what you want to do. Here's a good one. Okay, how can we streamline our marketing funnel to provide more results with less weekly effort? And, And on top of that, there's another one that goes what would be the most bang for your buck way to invest your time in marketing as a small business owner, email marketing, hands down, email marketing. I said earlier that your social media audience, maybe four to 7% see your content with email marketing. You can usually expect 20 to 30% open rates. Again, that doesn't sound like a lot, but it's a lot more than social media. And when someone first subscribes to your newsletter, The open rates start at, say, 80 to 90 and then slowly slide down to that 20 to 30. Email marketing is way more effective than social media marketing. I think on average, you see a 3,800% return on investment for it, which is just crazy. (laughs) So email marketing is definitely the most bang for your buck. You can write a really great email sequence. I have scripts. If you're interested, I will leave notes links to that in the, in the show notes too. But, um, you can write an email sequence and you can automate it in something like Flowdesk and, or MailChimp or MailerLite. There's lots of free options as well as paid for options. My preference is Flowdesk because it is the easiest platform to figure out. It takes like, you can easily teach it yourself but they also have great help docs. And I've, I've even recorded a mini course on how to, how to set up your Philodesk account. But you can put these automated sequences in there. You could write your newsletters ahead of time and schedule them to go out. So you could, um, like I know someone who, who wrote all of her newsletters for the summer because she knew she wasn't going to be able to get to them over the summer. So she read them and had them scheduled to go out. Uh, so email marketing, there's lots you can automate there and have it. Selling and warming up leads in your sleep. And um, then if you want to know about whether you're getting the right results, look at your open rates. Look at your click-through rates. see See how many people are opening the content, how many are going on to the next step. But email marketing is the best bang for your buck for your marketing. Also, you own your email list. You don't own your social media subscribers. If that platform disappears overnight, so, does your followers? They've all gone. So, having an email list, they belong to you. So, always, always, always grow that email list. And there's lots you can do. You can go as simple as you want or as complicated as you want. I've been working in the back end, I've developed this really complicated email marketing funnel in the back end that's got five different sales paths or journeys for clients and different investment levels. That makes sense for someone at my level. Um, In the beginning, a three-email welcome sequence, hi, this is me, this is what I do, this is how often you can expect to hear from me, and a regular newsletter is plenty and can really help with your marketing. Is there a certain point when you should start running paid ads? Again, (laughs) there's no right or wrong answer to this, but two things to note. Um, if it's a higher investment point, like if it's something, anything more than like five or $10, um, I wouldn't run ads for something paid for, not unless you you're running ads to people who are already say email subscribers, um, and you're retargeting them. If you're reaching out to brand new people who you've never met, promote something free, promote your free resource, your lead magnet. The other thing to do is wait until you have a proven funnel. So if you spent all this time creating this gorgeous new lead magnet and you're super excited about it and you want to go, um, start buying ads to promote it, just wait till you've had a few people go through the sales funnel first, have a few people land on the landing page and decide if they want it, subscribe, go through your email sequence. And when you know that that is leading to sales at the end, When you know it's working and now it's just a case of putting more people into that funnel to get more leads, that's when you want to start running ads. Uh, I think I went a little jargony there, but basically once you know your sales process is working and you know that now it's going to work, you've got a pretty high conversion rate. You know that people are going all the way through the process and wanting to buy from you, then start running ads to start putting more people through the process so you get more leads coming in. I do have another free resource for that. I I feel like I'm going on and on about my free resources, but I do actually have a lot of resources to answer a lot of these questions. And I have a new resource. It's called plan your purchase Paths, And it's an introduction to figuring out and mapping out your first sales funnels. Can I build an email list without a lead magnet? Ooh, yes. (laughs) You can have a subscribe to my newsletter button on your website and have just invite people to subscribe. You can add like, you can add people who book discovery calls and stuff with you. You can have an option for them to opt into your newsletter there. But a lead magnet is a really nice incentive. Uh, I was just on a website for one of those um, subscription boxes for one of my kids. And as soon as I, I went on that website, a pop-up came and said, give us your email address and you'll get 15% off your first order or 40% off your first box or something like that. And of course... I put my email address in I didn't even end up buying it and but now I'm getting their emails daily <laughs> but that was their lead magnet that was my incentive to give them my email address and it works a lot more than if it just had us subscribe to our newsletter like I would never subscribe to their newsletter um, but the promise of 40% off I'm like yeah sure take my info I can unsubscribe whenever I want that's what your lead magnet does too. Your lead magnet is an incentive for someone to get on your list. Here's a little piece of value. Here's a little free sample. Here's a little taste um, in exchange for your email. So it's, it's their email address is the currency. So you're not getting their email address for free. You're giving them something in return. Or they're buying your knowledge with their email address. So an answer to the question, can I build an email list without a lead magnet? Yes. Is it easier to build an email list with a lead magnet? Yes. How do I create a compelling lead magnet and what topic should I cover? This one, I always say, what, there's a couple questions you can ask yourself to figure out what your lead magnet should be. One question is, what do I always end up having to tell people about what I do? like if you're at a cocktail party, do we still do cocktail parties after COVID? I don't know. If you're at a networking event or something or at a conference, or you get on a sales call with someone, or you have to explain to your mom's friend's sister what you do, whatever you have to say to explain what you do, that could be, or about what you do, that can be a lead magnet. So for example, when I talk about what I do, which is coaching um, uh, solopreneurs on their online marketing I have to explain what online marketing entails all the factors brand messaging websites email marketing social media marketing so that's a great lead magnet for me something that explains all those elements another question you ask yourself is what do my ideal clients need to have done before they can work with me so I'm gonna go back to Rachel Um One of the lead banks for her could be, um, so her ideal client is someone who has a podcast and wants them to manage it. So ideally they will have either decided on that podcast, planned it out, or maybe even started and launched it and realized they need help. So a good lead magnet for her ideal client would be how to start your podcast in five steps or um, how to plan the perfect podcast show Something that gets them already invested in having a podcast, ready to purchase, like ready to sign on to someone to manage it. So that's what I would do. What what does everyone need to know before they can work with me or what do they need to do before they can work with me? The other thing is what is the first step in the process? That's another one. What can I do that's a quick win that'll get them one step further than than where they were to where they want to be? And speaking of which, <laughs> I have yet another free resource. Um, and this one is actually my lead magnet template and landing page template. So it is a little guide which helps you brainstorm your lead magnet. And then it comes with a gorgeous Canva template that will help you design your PDF lead magnet if you decide to go with a digital document. And a Canva template for a landing page, which is basically just the web the page people go to to put their email address in and grab your freebie. So this is a template. So it's got the scripts that you can just fill in the blanks and write all the copy for it and then just build it on whatever you want to, whether it's Flowdesk or Squarespace, uh, wherever you want to build your landing page. So there's that. I will leave a link to that in the the show notes as well. Gosh, the show notes is going to be all links this episode. Um, But if that's something you want to dive deeper in, that's a resource I recommend. And it's a great example because that is a first step if you're going to build a sales funnel or start email marketing is you need to have your lead magnet and landing page picked. So people who get that free resource, um, that leads them nicely in. If that if you get it, it leads you nicely in to my email marketing program. So it's, a, it's that first kind of step that people need to do before they can start doing the rest. Oh, here's a good one. When should I bring in support? And how much do I need to spend versus bootstrap on my own? (sighs) Bringing in support is awesome. (laughs) I definitely miss having Nicole there as support because we used to divide and conquer when it came to content creation. Um, I brought Rachel in from the start to help me with the podcast because I knew I just didn't have the bandwidth to edit and worry about publishing and writing show notes for my podcast, but I knew I needed the podcast. So I brought someone in right from the start to help with that. I also have someone supporting me on the, on my social media, helping me with my engagement because engagement is super important, but I don't always have the time to do it. I would recommend bringing in support as soon as you can. When you are a solo business owner, marketing is one of your big jobs. Like it really is. You can't avoid it. If you want customers, you have to market yourself and Marketing takes time. If, um, like, you can bring in support to help deliver your services, or you can bring in support to help with your marketing. If you get your marketing set up, like the foundations in place, you have your brand messaging nailed, like, you know what you want to say and who you want to say it to and what you're selling. You've got your website nice and slick, we'll only need minor updates every now and then. You've got your email sequences all set up. So it's just a case of creating regular and consistent social media content and engaging with your audience. Get all that set up and then bring in support as soon as you can afford to, because you don't need to be doing that. (laughs) Once you know the messaging is clean and you've got a trusted social media manager or virtual assistant to help you with that, hand it off so that you can focus on innovating and delivering to your customers and scaling, like thinking about your next offer. So bring in support as soon as you can. Um, The question of how much do I need to spend versus bootstrap on my own, that depends on how, um, how much of this is your jam. So I bootstrapped most of mine in the beginning. I did take a few courses. So I did invest in courses early on. I invested in uh, VA Kickstarter program to help me figure out how to launch a business because I had never started an online business before. so I invested in that it was a couple hundred it was like five or six hundred dollars. I invested in that right away because I knew I knew nothing about starting a business online and I needed the essentials so I could get going and start working as soon as possible. So I knew I didn't have that knowledge, so I invested to get that knowledge. Then I started teaching myself my own social media management. I absorbed knowledge from elsewhere. At that point, because I didn't have a full client roster, I saw myself as, if I'm not working on clients, I'm gonna work on improving my marketing. So I dedicated my time to figuring out how to do it myself. As my client list grew and my time reduced, I started investing more in outsourcing. Um, sometimes I invested in refining my own skill set, but most of the time i like I said, I just i um it was a question of how much time do I have? How much will I need this skill going forward? As I started to realize that marketing was the direction I wanted to go in, it made sense to invest in dedicated LinkedIn training, dedicated social media training, dedicated copywriting training, dedicated launch. Um, tactics training because that is the services I want to provide. So, whilst I'm benefiting my business and my marketing, I'm also increasing my skill set, giving myself better services to offer to clients. If I wasn't offering marketing services, it would have made more sense to just hire an expert to do it for me. Although, one thing I always recommend is you need to understand the process you're outsourcing. If you don't understand how sales funnel works how email marketing works or how social media works you're not going to know what you need or don't know and i've seen a lot of people get on a call and get sticker shock when they come to me saying i need social media i just need someone to manage my social media and then i say okay what content are you creating on a regular basis nothing okay so you also need someone to create to write the content it's not just a case of posting it you need someone who can write content that's fine this is how much it's going to cost What content can we repurpose from? How's your website? How's your email marketing? Oh, we haven't got any of that. Okay. What are you going to do with people when they find you on social media? Where are they going to go? Oh, well, I haven't got that. And so it starts to add up and add up. Whereas if you know what you need and you know that you've got all your foundations in place, outsourcing is going to be less expensive because you've done most of the hard work and you understand what is important and what can slide under the radar what can be let go if, if budgets or time don't allow for it. I think this episode is getting really really long. Uh but we're almost at the end. Actually, yeah, the the most um the other questions I've actually answered, the only other one is how to do you build a successful personal brand and build long-term trust and engagement with your target audience. That's all about getting your messaging clear, knowing who you work with and what you do for them. And your personal brand is, is you as a service provider. You um, are very much tied into what you do for others. I believe in authenticity. I definitely try to be authentic in my own content. So, um, a lot of my, a lot of my brand is tied into who I am personally And that's basically just be authentic, (laughs) know who you're talking to, know what you're selling and know who you are representing that. Get really clear on your messaging and then that um, will help you build a brand. If you struggled to get your first few clients, here's another free resource I have. Um, Three things you can do today to get your first clients. I'll leave a link to that in the show notes and it's just some tips, some real life tips that I actually did or I, I wish I had done um, right at the beginning of my business to get my first few clients. So um, if you're stuck on that, that's a great resource for that. Okay. Those are the questions before I go. I just want to mention that because this is the 50th episode, I'm celebrating it with a 50 day sprint to success. What the heck is that Hannah? <laughs> well, I have a program called Foundations for Success, which is an online self-paced course that walks you through all the foundational elements of a comprehensive marketing plan. Refining your brand message, creating a wonderful website, implementing email marketing with ease, and my full circle content, my um, approach to planning a a social media marketing plan that is easy to implement, doesn't take all your time, and uh, uses a lot of content that you've already created during those first few steps. So this is actually going to be 50% off for one week only. Let me pull up the dates. So between October 25th and November 1st, you will be able to get the Foundations for Success program at 50% off the regular price in celebration of this 50th episode. And then between November 4th, November 5th, sorry, then between November 5th and December 24th, I will be, you will be invited into a private Facebook group and I will be showing up daily to answer your questions, provide extra mini trainings and give real time expert feedback on all the things you create. So what's really great about this is we're committing to work through this course together as a group, as a community with hands-on support and getting all of your marketing foundations set up and in place so that you can take Christmas off if, or take the holidays off if, if if Christmas isn't what you celebrate um you can take the holidays off and then start January 2024 with a bang ready to go everything's in place content's planned your website's looking great your email marketing's all set up so this is a really great opportunity i am only doing this to celebrate the 50th episode. It is a crazy offer, this price. And you're also getting a group coaching element um, thrown in. (laughs) So highly recommend signing up for this. I will, again, leave a link to the page. You can go to 50daysprint.com, sorry, 50daysprint.com to find out more about the 50-day sprint and to get that 50% discount on the Foundations for Success. So thank you everyone for being a part of my journey, for sticking with me for 50 episodes. Let me know if you want more episodes like this. Um, you have probably noticed there's, we're mixing them up. We're doing some panel style episodes. We're doing some one-on-one interviews. Let me know if you want some more episodes like this or what you've enjoyed about the, the show. And um, until next episode, thank you so much for being here and tuning in. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Showing Up Solo. If you've enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving us a review or sharing your thoughts in the comments. These simple gestures help us appease the algorithm gods and continue to bring you great free education. Ready to navigate the world of marketing with confidence? Take the Marketing Compass Quiz, available at showingupsolo.com, to discover the next phase of your journey. And don't forget to explore our range of courses and coaching programs while you're there let's transform your solo venture into a thriving success story together. Until the next episode, keep showing up and making your mark in the world of solopreneurship. See you soon.